Welcome to Blood Moon Milk, the astrology podcast that comes out every new and full moon to help guide you on your mindful meditation and manifestation journey. I'm your host, Aurora, and this episode is all about the full moon in Gemini. It's also called the beaver full moon, so ladies, no need to shave. Kidding. Sorry, dad jokes are actually kind of a lame Sagittarius quality. Forgive me. Sometimes I just can't help myself. We're going to start this episode off with a quick song by David Maxim Mikic. The name of this song is Beaver Moon, and I just want you guys to know how lucky you are that I'm not starting you off with Primus and Winona's Big Brown Beaver. So we'll be right back with the rest of the show. If you're a longtime listener, then you know that this is a full moon episode, which means there's a double dose of blood moon milk. There is an interview section, and our guest this month is Ali Bashuk. She is incredible, and she is in charge of the Dream Warriors Foundation, so be sure to stick around for that, and please consider the Dream Warriors Foundation if you're looking to make a charitable contribution this year. They support women of color and women entrepreneurs in the Atlanta area in the pursuit of their dreams. You could rest assured that your charitable contribution could be in good hands. And now for the rest of the show. This full moon happens to fall on the American holiday of Thanksgiving, which is also my sometimes birthday. Uh, sorry, I'm being a little bit self-centered because it's kind of that time of the year. Since it's super important to start any meditation and mindfulness ritual from a place of gratitude, I think that truly giving thanks for all your personal bounty is a beautiful way to incorporate the holiday into your mindfulness practice. This full moon falls in Gemini at zero degrees in 51 minutes. Essentially, this is a new cycle for Gemini. It's funny that being one of the two dualistic signs, it's as if it's both coming and going. Typical Gemini. Gemini is the third sign of the zodiac. Gemini is the domicile of Mercury, and it rules all things thinking, communication, and transportation. It's the first sign of the air triad, and it's symbolized by the twins. You can learn a lot about a sign by thinking about its placement in the zodiac. It's the first air sign, which gives it a quickness, encouraged by its ruler Mercury, who is the fastest moving planet in our solar system. It's also the opposite sign of Sagittarius, So there's a lot to learn about Sagittarius here as well. Gemini energy is based in duality, as is Sagittarius, and as a result, Gemini is aware of its own duality. This drives an innate instinct to communicate with others to try to understand others' life experiences. This makes Gemini energy blendable to any given situation. Being an air sign, it has a great talent for reading a room and acting accordingly. Gemini is the great chameleon of the zodiac because of this. It's almost like Gemini and other air signs as well 
Um, it's like they have this mental rule book of how to act in any given situation. And because of this, they just know right off the bat what to say, how to say it, and they can feel kind of emotionally cool as a result, but it's not because they don't care. It's just that they're so adept at reacting accordingly that that's just what they fall back on. They can be thought of as being two-faced, but that's just because they're very adept at reading the room. It's as if they're taking in everyone's perspective and taking them on as one of their own so that there's no line between their own personal point of view and that of everyone around them. It can really be confusing for them, so take pity because they really sometimes get overwhelmed by a lot of voices in their heads. And by voices, I mean opinions of other people that they care about very strongly. And so those, those voices speak loudly in their mental state. And because of that, it can be difficult for them to discern which is actually their own opinion versus the opinion of others that's been kind of planted in their mind like a seed. So it's not super easy being a Gemini. My heart goes out to you, Geminis. I know you're trying your best. Air naturally seeks to find quality in its interactions. So in interpersonal interactions, this happens as well. The two-faced thing comes in when they aren't grounded enough in a course of action, and in turn, they try to please literally everyone in the room. It's sort of like their default setting. If they don't feel strongly about something, then they'll default to the next person closest to them that does have a strong opinion about it, and that'll become their opinion. This isn't to say that they're unintelligent. That's absolutely incorrect. Geminis are super witty, gifted communicators, and because of that, they may be able to give others the impression of hearing what they want to hear, whether or not it's firmly grounded in reality, and this too can feed the dark side of their reputation. Many a politician have a Gemini factoring strongly in their charts. As is ruled by Mercury, who governs intelligence and therefore rules such fields as education, literature, communication, and public speaking, these are all Gemini gifts. It's associated with cold energy, the color green, agriculture, travel, and the nervous system. Endowed with youthful, fast-moving energy, Mercury appears prominent in the horoscopes of people who are playful, enthusiastic, and talkative. Mercury is the joint ruler of the mind along with the moon, so the full moon in Gemini is an excellent time to connect with your deepest thoughts. Where the moon rules emotions, Mercury rules the intellectual side of the mind. It governs the active intellectual qualities, not the passive or the sympathetic. That's the domain of the moon. But this full moon gives you a prime opportunity to let the two marry together to be intellectual about your emotions. So I highly, highly, highly encourage you take advantage of this. With Mercury factoring strongly during this full moon, you can expect powers of great oration to come to you almost magically, as well as quick thought and insight that might not be possible on other nights. It certainly bears mentioning though that during this full moon, Mercury will be in retrograde, which can be challenging. It doesn't need to be, however, and I've actually written a whole Mercury and Retrograde Survival and Thrival Guide that is on the website, and 
if you're getting this before Mercury goes in retrograde, which happens November 16th, you get it for a discounted price of 19 bucks. And after that, the price is gonna bump up just a wee bit. But that being said, it gives you a lot of tools on how to deal with Mercury retrograde. I will say, though, that the reason why retrograde is so jarring for a lot of us here humans on this planet is because the way that energy flows from Mercury during retrograde is reversed. Typically, energy flows from Mercury, and generally from all the planets, it flows to us through the spirit realm and through the astral plane, the higher realms of existence. And so when retrograde happens, energy flow is reversed from the material realm, which is the realm that we inhabit in our day-to-day lives, and things, things that we own, and typically things that we own that are ruled by Mercury are the things that break. And these are the things that kind of help to tick us back into alignment with our soul's intentional path. It might not seem like it at the time, but if you can step back, kind of detach yourselves from your emotions just a wee bit, channel some of that air energy and that detached coolness, and look at the bigger picture, I bet you, you're gonna come out better in the long run because of whatever happens to you during retrograde. It is gonna throw a kink in your wheel, for sure, in the middle of the, while it's happening, but if you allow things to process as they need to, I think whatever happens, I know in my own life, I've come out on top after whatever, whatever sort of chaos has befallen me during a retrograde cycle. It's made me realize certain things, even understand that I didn't need that object any longer. It was holding me back. For example, I had this car that I bought when I graduated from college and I, it was honestly, it was kind of my dream car, but it was really, really, it was this old vintage Carmen Ghia, which is this kind of Volkswagen Beetle engine sort of a thing with a fancy dress on as far as body types go. Let's put it this way. The body was designed by Porsche, the engine designed by Volkswagen and During a retrograde, it caught on fire underneath the Peachtree Street Bridge on I-85 in downtown Atlanta during rush hour. So it was really, really painful. And it was my only means of transportation at the time. And it was like my whole ego and identity was wrapped up in who I was with this car. But taking a bunch of steps back, I realized, okay, that's not who I am. That thing is not me. And that thing doesn't define me, but I've been allowing it to. So I share this story with you just to give you some hope in case your car isn't starting or you're having some sort of tragic car problem or computer problem or, or some other sort of mercury themed issues in your life. I understand. And this isn't to say that it doesn't matter because it definitely fucking does matter. Like your life matters, your day-to-day practices matter. But I think if you can, in hindsight, I want to give you hope that it'll all make sense. And maybe that's the case for you too. So that's my, if you don't want to buy the Mercury and Retrograde Survival Guide, I get it. It's expensive and every, you know, a lot of people are on a budget. Um, I mean, not really expensive. It's 20 bucks, but 20 bucks can, that can be the difference in somebody's electric bill one month. I know one month it was for me. So 
I totally get it. That's why a lot of the stuff that I make is actually free. Um, anything that I, I advertise on here is actually something I personally believe in or act actually make myself. So I'm, I'm not here advertising socks or Squarespace to you. I want to be a trusted resource that comes from a place of honesty and earnesty to give you the best tool that I can possibly offer. Sorry. Sorry to have digressed into other realms, but I feel like I've been putting a lot of work into this Mercury and Retrograde survival guide. And I mean, how can I not talk about it since Gemini is ruled by Mercury? So I highly encourage you to check it out if you can. And if you share it with some friends and you buy it, I, I won't hate you for that either. Um, just, you know, know that I'm one person here doing all the all the work behind the scenes at Blood Moon Milk now, uh, writing the podcast as well as the daily horoscopes. And... Um, your support really, really, really means a lot to me. With that being said, I'd like to go ahead and thank everybody who came out to the pop-up. It was amazing. I met so many wonderful people. I got to read so many interesting charts and I felt like it was a really wonderful event. I can't stop telling Dr. Amy King how grateful I am to her. Uh, so I'm sorry if that's annoying <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> but uh, I just know that it's completely coming from a place of earnesty and honesty. And thank you again. And so in honor of Mercury Retrograde, let's listen to the Melody Lemons song, Thunder and Lightning off the album, Gemini Twins. <laughs> no doubt that this Mercury retrograde will also be intense because if the shadow phase has been any indicator, yeah, it's going to be fucking rocket fuel to whatever fire Mercury's got burning already. So peace be with you, everyone out there during Mercury retrograde. I highly suggest you get the Mercury and retrograde survival guide. If not, you got this podcast.
it's cool. Normally, I like to do a mythology segment after I go over the generals of a sign, but I've done the mythology of this before, but just as a little refresher... The Gemini constellation gets its name and reputation from the twins Castor and Follix in Greek mythology. They were fraternal twins who shared the same mother, but were of different fathers. Both were mothered by Leda, who was therefore brothers of Helen, aka Helen of Troy. Leda was made pregnant by both Jupiter in the form of a swan and her husband, the king of Sparta. Pollux, the son of a god, was immortal and renowned for his strength, while his mortal brother, Castor, was famous for his skill with horses. Which somehow relates to Sagittarius a little bit, don't you think? Both brothers voyaged in search of the Golden Fleece as Argonauts, and then fought in the Trojan War to bring their sister home to her husband, Melanus. They are traditionally depicted as arms with spears riding a matched pair of snow-white horses. The most common explanation of their presence in the heavens is that Pollux was overcome with sorrow when his mortal brother passed away and begged his father Jupiter to allow him to share his own immortality. Mercury consented because of his love for his own son as well as realizing the love of his son that he had for his brother, consented and reunited the pair in the heavens. Castor and Pollux were unique amongst those placed in the sky and that they were not represented as merely a constellation but as actual stars which mark the twins' head in the constellations. Castor is the bright white binary star while Pollux is orange. This is the constellation that can be found between Cancer and Taurus in the sky. Just as I was recording this, I realized that a we have a president in America who is also orange and very, very mortal and also a Gemini. So I'm wondering if orange is maybe a dark side mortal Gemini characteristic. Uh, get at me on Instagram if you agree at blood moon milk. All right. So what I like to do with mythology is really think about how the story helps to dictate the themes of the energies of the subject matter that we're talking about. So in this case, we're talking about intellect, we're talking about bravery, we're talking about seeking to understand each other, because these entities, these twins, these brothers... They're fraternal twins, except for one of them has a gift that the other doesn't have. And inherently, in the end, they're very, very brave. One of them is very brave. The one that's immortal is very kind. And I think that uh, real devotion to people who matter is actually a very key theme in Gemini qualities. And even in our president, you can see the people who he cares about are the people's whose opinions he kind of espouts. Whether they're right or wrong kind of is irrelevant in this conversation, although they all wrong. Um, the point is, with Geminis, this is a characteristic that can happen over and over again. They're devoted to the people that they love. The people that they love really are of the same womb in their mind. And so through that you can see how easily they can actually be manipulated. So look out for them. They're strong, they're brave, they're courageous, but they're not invulnerable. At least half of them aren't. They're half divine and half absolutely mortal. And no matter how witty and smart and clever they may seem, they're not all divine. But 
They are ruled by Mercury, which is a blessing and a curse. So, again, Gemini, I think after Scorpio, you might be the second most difficult energy for me to work with or call on innately. Um, that's not to say that you're bad. Nobody is bad inherently. My heart goes out to you. It must be really, really tough. And as a Sagittarius, personally speaking, I'm so grounded in my truth and so firm in what I believe that it's it's like night and day what's right and what's wrong. And it's, it's, it's really uh, kind of difficult for me to imagine taking on other people's opinions as my de facto truth. So... I, I apologize in that I'm kind of coloring this episode from a Sagittarian stance. I don't mean for my bias to speak on my behalf. But what I'm saying is that I see and respect uh, that I have some Arabic parts in Gemini that I can tap into sometimes and absolutely identify with and am so grateful for. However, that allows me to be able to acknowledge how difficult it can be to work with. And it is kind of like Venus and Scorpio. It can be a little bit of a cross to bear. Geminis, I want to hear from you. I want to know what it is that you love about being a Gemini. I want to hear from you. Get in touch with me on Instagram. Let me know what it's like to be in Gemini land. I know you're going to fill my inbox with witty comebacks. So I'm ready for you. And I'm not mad at you. Be nice. With that, let's go over the high vibes and low vibes for Gemini. The positive side is that they are super adjustable and versatile and enthusiastic. They're a mutable sign, so they can help usher in change whether they like it or not. This comes with helping to change the seasons or just change the mood in a room by being able to shift focus. They are super witty and funny, and you can bet when you invite a Gemini to a party, they're going to be flitting around from person to person, chatting up a storm, and cracking a ton of jokes. And they're super smart. Being ruled by Mercury does have its perks. And a super fast, insightful intellect is definitely one of them. On the love side, they're not always the most consistent of signs. They can also be a little bit superficial. This comes from wanting to keep things on a surface level and trying to talk to as many people as possible versus diving deep. They're not always the best at making decisions. Like I said earlier, they tend to default to the person that they admire the most in their personal lives and then kind of absorb their opinion and decision about certain subjects. I don't love him, but Donald Trump does this all the time. So, like, just... It's really hard to talk about him and not think about how much I hate him, but this is a very typical Gemini trait when expressed negatively, and he's definitely a negative person, so um, try to avoid doing that. They're not, at, they're not always great at picking a direction, and because of this, they kind of lose focus and they get easily bored with things that they're doing. Because of this, this leads to a little bit of anxiety. They have a lot of energy, but when it's not being focused, it creates a natural lack of direction, and as a result, they can tend to bite off more than they can chew to kind of compensate for 
any lack of direction they might have. And this can make them erratic and anxious and really stressy. Be kind to Geminis out there. I don't think it's easy being one. We're going to take a quick music break. We're going to hear the song Board Games, like as in I'm so bored, not the typical board monopoly. I just feel like that kind of ties into Gemini's tendency to get bored easily and lose lack of focus. But it's a really nice song. So uh, it's by Wild Nothing off the album Gemini.
let's talk about other stuff going on in the sky. So this full moon is going to be opposite from the sun in Sagittarius. So happy birthday, all my fellow Sagittarian babies. Venus is about to go direct, so yay, finally we can start to feel pretty again and make any decisions about our appearance or get a haircut or buy some new clothes or go get your nails done, like anything like that. It's it's probably more than time to do. Um, and now that she'll be direct, you've got the added benefit of Venus being on your side so that it comes out the best possible way that it could, which... If anybody made any drastic changes to their appearance out there while Venus was in retrograde and had any unfortunate side effects, I'd love to hear about it and commiserate. And so, as we mentioned earlier, Mercury is about to go retrograde and Jupiter has entered Sagittarius, where the great benefic will remain for the next 13 months. So Sagittarians out there, in addition to that, you get the added benefit of a year-long gift from the universe uh, with the great benefic being in your sign, so you're getting all that extra energy and good juju. I'm hoping that we'll see expansive growth with with Jupiter in its natural sign. That stuff is pretty good. Mercury in retrograde is going to be a tough one, um, but it's tough for a reason, and hopefully it will encourage and spur insightful reflection and opportunities for personal growth. That's how I like to look at it. So let's go over the crystals that I picked to talk about for Gemini, and specifically Gemini and the full moon. The first crystal I picked to talk about today is fluorite. It's great with working at wind elements, so that ties into Gemini being an air element. Fluorite is kind of a psychic vacuum cleaner in some ways. It helps to clear clutter and confusion in the mental space, which is super helpful for Geminis. So that's part of the reason why I picked this, and it helps to also increase focus, which Gemini's can be lacking. It's also really helpful at learning how to discriminate the kinds of people that you want to allow in. Um, since Gemini is so susceptible to taking on the opinions and the viewpoints of other people as their own, I think that it's really, really important for you Gemini's out there to be able to pick the right people to allow in your social circle. Don't just let any old trash in. I mean, there's a lot of negative people in the world and you don't need that cluttering up your mental state especially if that mental state is then going to become their mental state too by default. This kind of discernment can be really subtle, but super, super important to your mental health and well-being. There is such a thing out there as dark energy and dark spirits, and people pick it up all the time and they don't know about it, especially in times of sickness or weakness or emotional distress. And if you're not actively working to cleanse your aura and strengthen your auric fields and your energy fields and you become susceptible to this dark energy. So that goes for your social circle as well as your immediate body and surroundings. Because if your aura is strong and clear and shiny, it's really hard for dark negative energy to latch on. It just sort of slips right off. So it's really important to keep that aura strong. One way of doing this is by surrounding yourself with the right kinds of people. And what I mean by the right kinds of people has nothing to do with their race or religion, but more so about their intentions and whether or not they're of good intentions or bad intentions. Because there are people and entities out there that really would like nothing more than to extinguish your light and your fire. So fluorite can really be helpful in this area and it helps to increase mental focus too. 
If you don't already have a nice piece of fluorite, I really suggest you pick one up in the near future because it's such a gift. I have a piece on my desk that I keep near me whenever I'm working, and it really does help to cut the clutter and the mental chatter down and let me find my original thoughts that I'd like to share and helps to organize my workflow and I just feel more comforted knowing that it's nearby. It has a ton of other great benefits as well, but these are the main reasons why I picked fluorite. Fluorite's great at integrating the heart and the mind chakra is into one in our next crystal that we're going to be talking about. Uh, which is Amazonite, which I know I pick and talk about a lot, but I feel like it's such a wonderful tool for integrating the heart chakra and the throat chakra into heartfelt, meaningful conversation. I think the combination of these two stones working together is really, really valuable. And so I suggest that everybody give it a try at some point, especially if they're having difficulty clearing their mind or trying to figure out what it is they really feel about something and get in touch with what's important to them in their heart and expressing it to its fullest, I highly recommend this combination of stones. So I mentioned chakras a little bit while we're talking about stones and uh, the chakra most associated with Gemini is the throat chakra because they are such adept communicators. And so it's really, really important to focus on having a clear, bright throat chakra that's rotating in the right way. Um, and you can focus on this during your meditations to help clear up any blockages or issues you might have with speaking your truth. Um, I've definitely given myself psychic flu because I, I kind of wasn't speaking my truth. I think I talked about that a couple episodes ago. I found that my throat would get really sore whenever I needed to uh, talk about the things that were going on in my life and especially when I was starting to do this podcast by myself, I found myself having kind of this fear of a being the only person behind the mic and being the only one running things here. I was like sort of panicked and stressed about that. But once I got into it and once I started to embrace it, I found that my throat started to feel better. So it was kind of magical and wonderful that once I stood and kind of confronted my fears and didn't let them rule me, that my physical pains just dissipated as well. And while, you know, I'm definitely not a doctor, I do think there's a lot of psychosomatic symptoms that manifest themselves physically. And so it's really important to pay attention to the things that are stressing you out in your life and, and emotionally and see if there's any physical manifestations of that pain in your body. Because if so, I think there's probably a way for you to confront them and resolve those issues in a way that's positive. And ultimately, you might find yourself not as not sitting in as much pain as you were while you were stressing out about whatever the issue is. So that's where mindfulness comes in, and we'll move on to questions for mindfulness and meditation in just a moment. So when I started writing this episode, and I was starting to think about the questions for mindfulness, um, you know, I had, I always like to start things from a place of gratitude, and I'd like to share a personal story about my own gratitude for what I'm grateful for right now. Um, I don't always do this, but sometimes I think it's nice, and with Thanksgiving coming up, I think it's really important to be able to share, especially with you, my listeners, a little bit about me, 
but also the things that I'm grateful for currently in my life. Um, about two weeks ago, a friend of mine, a friend of mine from high school passed away. And while we, we had a falling out years ago, um, it was sad to hear of her passing because we were once such good friends. And I was still sad to hear that she's gone. Um, she wasn't particularly old. She was only a year older than me and I'm only, I'm 31. Um, so she died of, of heart problems and, you know, it's sad to me because I'll never get a chance to patch things up with her. Um, later that same week, I had a brush with death of my own. I was driving back from a wedding when there was this freak car accident on the interstate. And I think there were about six cars around me that all got smashed totaled and it was late at night and all I saw was sparks coming at me from across the highway and um, the cars next to me got into a wreck the cars on the other side of me got into a wreck the car that was coming across the highway hit the hit the median and at the last moment um, I I sped up I didn't slow down I sped up and part of me was like, okay, well, I guess this is how I die. And I, I sort of accepted it. And, but I, I sped up and I missed it. I missed everything. No, I missed, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I missed everything. I mean, every car missed me. I was in the middle of this sort of cyclone of cars just going every direction. And somehow, um, by speeding up, I got out of everyone's way just in the nick of time. And honestly, I felt my car sort of moved sideways a little bit. Um, but there was no damage to my car. I'm fine. I'm a little emotionally rattled because it's terrifying. Um, I couldn't stop seeing the accident in my mind's eye for days. And it really freaked me out. But also at the same time, it, it made me realize how grateful I am. And uh, I, I really f did feel like, you know, I could have, I could have died, and I'm so lucky <laughs> for so many reasons. But especially feeling it right now, I have the opportunity to to do the things that I want to do, and to patch things up with people who, you know, haven't always necessarily been there for me, but they're on their own journey and they have their own opportunities to grow and change and, um, and reconnect. And every day since that accident, um, I feel like is icing on the cake and I'm not dead. I have the gift of life. And actually an old friend from elementary school reached out to me a couple of days after the wreck to apologize about being unkind to me when we were kids, which honestly, I, I hadn't really thought of her much in a while. Um, and I, you know, kids can be so mean to each other. Um, and you know, adults too can act really childish. Um, but it was, you know, I, I didn't have any negative feelings towards this person, but on, honestly, like she obviously did. And she reached out and I, I was so flattered and, um, I am so excited to reconnect with her. She's coming to town at the end of the month and we're going to get coffee. So 
I am grateful to still be here and to still have the opportunity to um, reconnect with people and meet new people and to make this podcast. And um, I feel like I have so many opportunities and I just, I feel like it's really, really important to be able to count your blessings. If you're alive right now and you're listening to this, you have the opportunity to do whatever you want with your life. You can use it for good. You can go out there and make a difference in other people's lives. And that's an incredible gift. And so with that, I want to go through the questions for mindfulness and manifestation. How can I be clearer in my communication with others? How can I decide what are my own original thoughts versus the thoughts and opinions of those around me and whether or not I agree with them? Do those that I let in to my social circle reflect my highest and best interest in the long run? How can I clear my thoughts? How can I calm my mental state so that I'm feeling more focused? What opportunities are there to socialize and to meet new people and to learn new ideas? What new ideas that I've heard lately really resonate with me? Have I met anybody recently that I find really inspiring? How can I create opportunities for others to connect, to find inspiring people? Well, that's it for this episode, Moonbeams. I'm going to leave you with Blondie and Call Me, since Gemini is all about conversation and communication. Go call your family, wish them a happy Thanksgiving, or if you're in the rest of the world, just call your best friend and have a great night. (laughs) 